Welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast with Jeff Futers, where Jeff and his guests talk everything Israel as it relates to Christian faith and the church. If you are a Christian and you stand with Israel, you will be encouraged and challenged by this podcast. And if you're not so sure about the whole Israel thing, you need to learn how your faith connects with Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's Jeff with today's guest. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Jeff and I'll be your host and I have a very special guest today. Isaac Carasanti is a great friend and a tour guide from Israel. Isaac and I have spent numerous hours together, both with tour groups and also filming for our television show, First Century Foundations. So I thought it'd be great if we could chat with Isaac. He's going to give us a little bit of an update as to what things are like in Israel right now and the state of the tourism industry. And so this is going to be interesting for you. Let's listen in on my conversation with Isaac Karasanti. Well, welcome to the podcast today, the Keeping It Israel podcast. And uh, my guest today is Isaac Karasanti. And uh, Isaac is a good friend. We have known each other now for, I don't know, three, four years, I guess. And at least, yeah. Uh, But Isaac, tell us a little bit about who you are. My very, very dear friend, Jeff. So good to hear from you. (laughs) Great to have you. Thank you. So my name is Isaac Karosenti. I'm an Israeli tour guide. Uh, I'm in the tourist uh, industry, you can call it like this. For 30 years, exactly 30 years. And uh, my family is originally from Spain. We came to Israel in uh, 1492. 1492 in Spain, there was a very big Jewish community. And uh, in those days, the queen was Isabella. The king was Ferdinand. As history tells us, 1492, the queen and the king came to the Jews. And they wanted all of them to convert to Christianity, to become to be Catholics. Otherwise, they told them, you must leave Spain. If not, we are going to kill all of you. Of course, that the Jews didn't want to convert to Christianity, so they had uh, to leave. Most of the Jews that left Spain in 1492 fled to Central and to East Europe. However, there was a minority, the same minority, only 2,000 families from Spain, decided to go back home to the land of Israel. My family was with these 2,000 families that decided to return back home to, to Israel without any stopping on the way. So from Spain, they came directly to, to Israel. Israel in those days was very small. There were only four cities where Jews could live. Jerusalem, Hebron, Tiberias, and Sfat, Safed in Upper Galilee. So when my family arrived here, they settled down in Tiberias and in Netzpat. By the way, until today, most of my family is still in uh, Tiberias, but with the young generation nowadays, we live in Haifa, which is a beautiful city, northern part of the coastline of Israel, and uh, here we are. Wow. So your roots in Israel run extremely deep, deeper than yeah. most, I would, th- I would say. More than 500 years. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, in my family, we have a joke. We say when Columbus discovered America, we discovered Israel. 
He <laughs> <laughs> also. Exactly. In 1492, he wins west, he wins east. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. And um, 30 years as a tour guide, you've been in the industry. And that's kind of how we connected, how we met uh, through our mutual friend, Mickey, who yes. uh, is our, our travel agent here in uh, the Toronto area. And so uh, yeah, we've we've known each other. I would say at least four years, maybe maybe a bit longer. And you have uh, not only toured a couple of groups for us, but you've also appeared on uh, two different seasons of our television show for Century Foundations uh, with me and uh, in a number of episodes. And you are becoming well known here in Canada. I just wanted you to know that. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I have to say that everybody who has uh, has traveled with us in a group and uh, you've been a part of that have just raved about about you and uh, the way that you that you lead uh, one of one of our tour groups so thank you very much thank you very much for all the compliments <laughs> yeah I want to I want to tell you I probably have told you this before but uh, the listeners will enjoy this one of the um, one of the first times I realized that, uh, you know, I was in the presence of greatness um, when when you were leading our tour group. Uh, my friend Doug and I had had people on the tour and we were in um, Banyas. We were up at uh, Caesarea Philippi. And I remember I, I had on my iPad all of the scripture verses that I was going to read from the story of, of Jesus and, you know, the disciples at Caesarea Philippi. And um, I was waiting, you know, for you to finish your thing. And then I was going to come and, and do my thing. And so you began to tell the story of this place and, uh, you know, as only you can do. And you set up all the background and all the histor historical uh, you know, narrative and everything. And, and then you started to talk about the story of Jesus and the disciples. And I was looking at my iPad and not only were you, you know, recounting the story, you were quoting word for word from <laughs> the scriptures that I had prepared to read. It was amazing. That's when I knew, that's when I knew that you had a, a brain unlike many people in the world. And uh, wow. Your your memory is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I tell you, I have I think that I have a photographic memory. Yeah, I think you do too. <laughs> when I read something, I, I photograph it. Yeah. In my mind, in my memory. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Well, listen, that's a, that's great. Now, the situation in Israel right now, let's talk a little bit about that. You, okay. um, it, as a country, it seems to us from, from here in North America that Israel did fantastically well uh, in the early stages of the coronavirus, of COVID-19, uh, yes. locked down quickly, sort of got numbers under control. But then something happened over the summer. What's going on right now? <laughs> it's a very good question. As you say, the Jeff, in the very beginning, March, April, we did great. We were, I think, the first country to close the, the borders. Mm -hmm. uh, we even cut all of the, the tours that were going on in Israel, sent all of the tourists back home, back to their uh, countries, and uh, the situation was, uh, was very good. 
Uh, our government also decided about the, the closure for more than a month. Uh, you know, people were not allowed uh, to, to leave their homes unless, you know, you're a policeman or a doctor or, or a nurse. You, you, they need you at work. And we did very, very good. Problem was that towards the summer, there was very heavy pressure on the government, you know, to open the factories, to open the, the, the restaurants, pubs, bars, everything. So the government decided to open everything too fast. Mm. Instead of doing it in, in stages, they decided to open, we opened everything within two or three weeks. Imagine to yourself from zero to almost 100, two and a half, three weeks. And then the problem was that people thought, that's it, the coronavirus is over. Now, let's go party. And this is the biggest problem. Because the authorities warned the people. They told them, listen, we are not done with this uh, coronavirus. Mm. When you go out, you must wear a mask. This is the law, I think, also in Canada. Yes. The law is the moment that you leave home, you must wear a mask. Otherwise, if not, you get a ticket. Ticket here in Israel is a 500 shekels. They don't talk to you. You're without a mask, or if the mask covers only your mouth, not your nose, same thing. 500 shekels uh, immediately. And also, they told the people, okay, you can go out, but you have to keep a distance of two meters between one person to the another. And this is the problem, because uh, I'm an Israeli, and it's very sad, you know, to say not good things about my people, but uh, Israelis are not disciplined and definitely not very well uh, behaved. People literally ignored everything, ignored the law, ignored everything. You know, they showed on television. People went out, no masks, nothing. And you started to see what was going on, like in cities like Tel Aviv, big parties all night long. You see hundreds of people in a nightclub, three, four hundred people together in a small building in a nightclub. Of course, that this corona was like, you know, a fire in the middle of, of, of the summer. Mm, and yeah. Also, people, you know, summer in Israel is very hot. People go to the beach. Same thing. They didn't care. No mask. They didn't keep any, any distance. Nothing, nothing uh, at all. So it started again. It's not like in Europe or I think in Canada, you had the first wave, then you had some quiet time and second wave. In Israel, we, we are still on the first wave. We had the first wave, went down a little bit, and then increased in a terrible situation. I think that nowadays we are, you know, winners. We are first place in the world with a coronavirus per population. We are the first in the world. I remember wow. in the very beginning when you saw what was going on in Italy and Spain, you felt sorry for them. Today, almost the same. I mean, people are not dying like in Italy and in Spain, but you see every day in, in Israel, we have another seven, 800 new people that got the infection with this uh, virus within the last 24 hours. Now in Israel, we have thousands of people who have this uh, coronavirus. Also, add to this uh, sad reality two other factors, the ultra-Orthodox and the Arabs. Mm -hmm. Ultra-Orthodox in Israel, they live like in small ghettos. You know, they're extremely crowded, extremely, extremely crowded. 
even if there is someone sick in the family, within 24 hours, all the rest of the family is sick. Yeah. Because they are like 10, 12 people in, in, in one house. Although the government gives you the option, if, if you have a coronavirus, on behalf of the government, they take you to a corona hotel all over Israel. The government paid for hotels. They become to be what you call corona hotel. So if you need uh, to go for two, three weeks, the government pays. People don't want uh, to do that. So this is ultra-Orthodox and also the Arabs. Mm-hmm. They had uh, some big uh, holidays, the, the Ramadan, Eid al-Fitr, Eid al-Adha, crazy. And now we are paying the, the price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Well, so in uh, in Haifa, where you are, um, like I, I know one thing about Israel, fairly densely populated, uh, you know, when you're out on the street, it's wall-to-wall people, you know. Yes. Uh, so, so it really has to be challenging to be able to move around and do what you have to do. Yes, yes. Yeah. I tell you, Haifa, thank God, we are in a good place. I mean, like the, the most, terrible cities nowadays jerusalem is uh, number one then uh, we have tel aviv which is number two mm. then we have other arab and ultra orthodox jewish uh, cities in haifa where i live we don't have uh, many people who are, uh, have this uh, coronavirus my wife is a nurse in the in the hospital you know in the rambam hospital which is the biggest hospital in all of the northern part of israel they built a special department for, for Corona, right. nowadays they have there maybe three or, or four people. That's mm-hmm. all. They're about to close this department because the hospital says, listen, for three, four people, we're not going uh, to keep the, the, the whole section of the building or to, to put the stuff. So Haifa is, is in, in good conditions. But me personally, when I go out, like if I have to go shopping, then I go very early in the morning. Uh, supermarkets here open at seven o'clock. I arrive there even at quarter to seven, seven o'clock they open, I buy and that's it, I go home. Of course, always uh, with a mask. Or uh, if I want to, I, I, you're not going to believe this. I started to love sport. So every what? morning I run eight kilometers, eight kilometers. <laughs> by the I'm sorry, Isaac, you're gonna have to say that again. I think there was something wrong with my earphone. You said I started to love sport. Yes. Every morning I ran eight kilometers. You run. Run eight kilometers. And, and nobody's chasing you. <laughs> so what I do <laughs> in order to make sure that I'm alone and my wife think that I'm crazy, I get up every morning at three thirty a.m. Three thirty. Three thirty. I leave home at four o'clock. I drive my car to to the beach. It's fifteen minutes. I run from 4.15 to 5.30 in the morning. It's only me in the beach. I don't see any more people. <laughs> By 6 o'clock, I'm back home. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. wow. so when, when we have to go out, we do it all very early or very late when there are not a lot of people. Wow, that's great. I'm not even going to recognize you the next time I see you. <laughs> you're going to be like, I you're going to be so, so thin. Thirty-five kilos. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I'm running too. I I, I am running too. I uh, but but only five kilometers or six kilometers. I think I do six now. But okay. now you've now you've motivated me. I'm gonna have to. I can't have you running more than me. I'm gonna have to. 
<laughs> somehow win this little race here. I don't may run on the, the best of us win. May, yes, may the best man win. That's funny. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and uh, and that Haifa is doing well. I guess maybe in the northern areas uh, is is Tiberius because it's fairly heavily ultra orthodox. Are they having issues with numbers there? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. They're having very issues, and uh, you know the hotels in Tiberius were closed from mid March and they opened again in May. In May we had a holiday, Shavuot, Pentecost. So the hotels started to open, and in the summer, uh, they started to have good business, not with tourists. We don't have tourists coming to Israel, with Israelis. Because for uh, Israelis, until last week, it was uh, strictly forbidden, impossible to go overseas. So Israelis, when they wanted to go on vacation, they went to places like Eilat or Tiberias. So the hotels in Tiberias were full, but uh, the corona, hit Tiberias very, very bad. So the authorities wanted uh, to block certain neighborhoods uh, in Tiberias, but total closure. Mm. Uh, again, the ultra-Orthodox, they put heavy pressure against the government not to do that. But there are some neighborhoods in uh, Tiberias which are in very bad conditions right now. Wow. Yes. Well, I know that this has... Um impacted the tourism industry in a very, very detrimental way. Uh, talk about what that looks like. What's the future look like? How are we going to be able to get people back to, uh, to visit Israel? I tell you, so far, situation in tourism in Israel is not good at all. Hmm. Um, it's all because of our government, and I will explain why. Sadly, our government doesn't think that tourism is that important to, to the economy. From March the 15th, we closed everything. Everything. The hotels, restaurants, uh, tour companies, uh, buses, uh, tour guides. We sit at home doing absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing. Okay. The problem is that... Uh, Hotels, they closed, and in the very beginning, they sent their staff for a vacation of three months. And of course, the government paid. But according to the law in Israel, after a three-month vacation, all that you must bring the workers back to work, and as the employer, you pay them, all that you have to fire them. Again, in June, everything was closed. The airport, everything closed. Mm -hmm. Most of the hotels in Israel fired their staff. Imagine to yourself like a Prima Royal Hotel in Jerusalem. You know, you, you stay there quite a few times. Yes. All of the staff, you remember the staff? All of them are fired. And I talk to them almost every week. Uh, by the way, manager of the hotel, if you remember him, Moti, he, he passed away. Broken oh, no. heart. Yes, he died. He oh, died in the evening of Shavuot. A broken heart. He just he took it too hard that the hotel is uh, is closed, uh, he got heart attack. He was sitting, they told me, he was, he was every day, he came to the hotel, was sitting in the lobby and crying. Eventually his heart failed him. But they fired all of the staff. Wow. The staff, you know, they start to look for different jobs, not only in, in tourism. 
And this is not only the Prima Royal. Many other hotels are in some conditions. Like many of the hotels in Jerusalem are closed, like Grand Court, Olive Tree. All of them are closed down. Haifa, most of the hotels uh, are closed. Wow. So imagine to yourself that these hotels are closed and there is no maintenance. No maintenance. And let's say that next year the government will decide to open the Ben Gurion Airport and the borders and tourists will start to come to, to Israel. Imagine to yourself how much money it will cost the chains of the hotels just to bring the hotels to normal condition because this is already half a year, no maintenance in all of, all of the rooms. Think about the, the furniture, think about the air conditioning system, the kitchens, everything, very bad conditions. Plus, they will have to hire a new staff and to start to train them from, from zero. It's a disaster. Also, many bus companies, companies that work only with uh, tourists, only with tourists, you see the, the buses, you know, this is, it, it breaks your heart. Mm. You see in Jerusalem and also in Galilee, it's like cemetery for, for brand new buses. Buses which are not even one year old. You know, 2018, 2019 were very good years. So many bus companies, they bought brand new buses. And they're all under the, the sun with dust. Also many bus riders. That's it. They left the, the business. They look for uh, another job. Uh, many restaurants that you know are closed. Many shops uh, are closed. Uh, many tour guides are leaving uh, guiding because <laughs> for how long uh, you can wait. And the problem is that uh, there is no deadline. Like if the government would come and say, you know what, in October, okay, we are going to open uh, everything. Okay, we start tourism in October, in November, in December. Give us something, but no one knows when this will happen. Hmm. It's so annoying because there are some uh, Israeli military companies that developed an instrument that all you have to do is like, you know, when they, the police catches you and they think that you're drunk, they ask you to, to foo into a tube and they see if you're drunk or not. So Israeli military companies, in May, they developed something like that. You fool into it. Within 40 seconds, you have the result positive or negative for uh, Corona. And they said, we can put it in Ben Gurion Airport before passport control. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're from Canada. You want to come to Israel. Okay, before you go to the airport in Canada, you have to bring uh, the result from your doctor that you're clean. You come to Israel, arrive Israel before passport control. You check this within 40 seconds. You have the result, yes or not. If you are clean, passport control, welcome to Israel. If not, you go back to the same airplane and, and go back home. Who was against this idea? The government and our Ministry of Health. Because they said, if you do something like this, and then go to an airport, it has to be private laboratories. So they will make a lot of money. and. Our workers that work for this government organization, Ministry of Health, will quit and they will go and work with private uh, companies so we'll have no more uh, workers. So because of this, they decided not to do that. Guess who is doing this today? India and many countries in Asia. They bought the machines that we developed and opened their, uh, their borders. So usually I'm very, very optimistic, but this time I have no news because we don't know. 
when, when they think even to open the, the borders, they don't talk about it. Hmm. Not Minister of Tourism, no one. If this will be after the holidays, September, October, I don't know. November, winter, no one knows. Right. I'm sorry that you know I cannot give you a more encouraging uh, answer. But yeah. Well, we, uh, I was on a call, I don't know, a week or so ago, and the, uh, the Israeli ministry, Minister of Tourism from Jerusalem was on the, was on the call. And uh, I, it, was, it was for sort of advertising purposes, of course. And yes. he actually said on the call that they were working towards opening the skies um, to green countries as of September sometime. <laughs> But it didn't sound very, it didn't ring very true to me. Let's put it that way. I tell you, yes. Yeah. Israel is open for green countries, but this is one way. What is one way? Our government allows Israelis, only Israelis, to go to green countries. But we don't allow non-Israelis, ah. tourists, from green countries to come to Israel. Okay. Let's say that, for example, uh, Switzerland is a green country. Okay, so our government nowadays is allowing any Israeli that wishes to go to Switzerland, but we don't allow Swiss people to come to Israel. Now, what is the problem? Because Israel nowadays is considered as red country, all of the green countries they don't want any Israelis in their countries. <laughs> so they <laughs> Many European countries, yeah, they are green, like uh, Switzerland and Austria and Germany and many others. They don't want any any Israelis. The only countries in Europe that uh, are doing us a favor, Greece, agreed uh, to accept only 600 Israelis every week, not more than that. Okay. Only 600 per week. And uh, of course, you have uh, to bring the results from the doctor, from the lab that you're clean. Also, for Israelis who are going to Greece, you cannot go everywhere in Greece. There are only four cities that they allow Israelis. This is number one. Bulgaria also agreed uh, to welcome Israelis and uh, Georgia. These are the only three countries. We can go there, but still, we do not allow any tourists, non-Israeli citizens to, to come to Israel. Mm. So I don't know what the guy from Ministry of Tourism told you, but this is the situation in Israel right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're kind of watching with interest because uh, my, I mean, I've had, it'll be, it'll be two, two tours now canceled because of, yeah. uh, because of COVID this, this year. We had a group of, of students, uh, theological students, that were supposed to be coming. Actually, we, we should have left yesterday uh, to come for 10 days or so. And, uh, and then, of course, the, the, uh, the other trip in the fall. But yes. it's interesting. And we're trying to think about what do we, what do, we do? Can we plan for 2021? Is that, is that, real, is that a reality? I uh, think no. that for 2021, yes, you can plan. Yeah. Because... I don't think that this situation can last for more than one year. I mean, started in March 2020. I don't think it can be until after March 2021. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the Israeli economy will totally collapse. Totally collapse. 
Nowadays, uh, Israeli economy is in very bad uh, conditions. Everything, this way or another, is connected uh, to, to tourism. I'm not talking only about bus companies and hotels and restaurants and stuff and tour guides. No. Even farmers that grow vegetables, they used to sell a lot of the vegetables to the hotels and to restaurants. Mm. Hotels, restaurants are closed, so they sell less. Uh, you know what? Even uh, factories that make uh, tablecloth, okay, napkins, tissues, things like that. Their biggest clients were hotels and restaurants. They lost more than 60% of their uh, business. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we are very strong with high-tech and everything. Okay, but without tourism, we cannot continue. And uh, I, under, I believe that the government understands uh, this point. More than a year, if, if this will continue after March 2021, I don't think that Israeli economy will continue even to, to exist. So I'm 100% sure by March 2021, definitely, they, they will find a way, you know, to open the borders and to bring tourists here in a safe way. Yeah. So concerning your question, yes, to plan for 2021, I would say after March, sound logic to me, like from April 2021 onwards, I think that this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're looking at that to uh, to see how that might work. Most of what I've been reading, you know, tells me, I find it amazing that you said, you know, the government doesn't consider tourism important enough to, uh, to make the investment in because it seems to me that about 40% of your uh, GDP, you know, the, the gross domestic product of Israel is connected to tourism. Of course. Yeah, of course. that's a huge number. Of course. You know, I read the statistics in uh, 2020. So, you know, 2019, 2019, we got 8 billion US dollars income only from tourism. Show me another branch of the economy that brings so much money to the economy. Not mm. 8 million, 8 billion dollars wow. came to Israel only from tourism. Yeah. High tech? No, high tech doesn't bring so much money. What? Uh, medicine? Medicine doesn't bring so much money. What? Agriculture? Of course not. Diamonds? Definitely not. What? Uh, minerals from the Dead Sea? Definitely not. But this is so unbelievable that the government doesn't think that this is that important, that now we must do something in order to, to open the borders and find a way to bring uh, tourists here like the rest of the world uh, is doing. You know what, even our neighbors, uh, Lebanon, okay, before the explosion over there, but even Lebanon opened her borders for tourists. Hmm. Jordan, Egypt, Sinai, <laughs> all of them are wow. open for tourists. And we say, you know, we are the only democracy in the Middle East and high-tech and medicine and everything. We are at the bottom of the list. Hmm. Well, there certainly is a big, uh, a big challenge for them to, uh, to make tourists coming in from other countries feel safe. I think that's going to be the big thing. Yes, uh, not only to open the border, but, you know, to, to make tourists to feel safe yeah. to come to, to Israel. Of course, that's the yeah. most important thing. And I so think that the point is they open the borders, but Israel is not safe. You will not feel safe to come here. You will not come here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's going to be our challenge. I think is is saying to people, look, we're we're doing a tour, and and the first question we're going to get is, you know, will I be will I be okay? Am I going to get corona? Am I, you know, uh, I know people, and and even myself, you know, we're reticent to even go anywhere where we have to go through the airport with, uh, you know, with people coming in from other places because it's, uh, yeah, it's so it's so highly contagious. Yes, and we're still all trying, I think, to to sort of figure this out. Gratefully, uh, you know, I, I'm grateful that here in Canada, our numbers are are down. You know, the the province of Ontario, where I live, we are uh, 14 and a half million people, so about five million more than live in Israel, live in my province, and um, we're down under a hundred new cases a day. Uh, wow. We've we've been under we've been we've been as low as I think 33 cases one day. And so um, it's, it's under control at, at this point, but again, everybody's waiting sort of for the, for the, for the penny to drop because we don't know, we don't know about this whole second wave, uh, you know, talk and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, a vaccination at some point would be, uh, you know, welcome, I think. But I think too, that a lot of people are not going to be rushing to get, this vaccination, uh, if they feel like it hasn't been properly, uh, you know, tested, like it's been rushed through the process. Yes. So, yeah. My wife is in, is in the medical industry as well. And, you know, she tells me, uh, because she works with clinical trials, that's the work that she does. She says, you know, good science takes a minimum of 18 months and usually two to three years, you know? So, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with all of this, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But Putin said that they found the, <laughs> yeah. the, the medicine. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We shall wait and see. Yes. I think a lot of people are taking that wait and see approach, for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Isaac, what are, you, what are you doing to fill your time these days? Uh, I invest a lot, a lot of doing some researches and studies. I go very, very deep to, to the roots of, uh, of everything. I uh, improve a lot uh, my knowledge. Yeah. I uh, take some uh, courses in uh, universities, Hebrew University and other uh, colleges. Good. They open the spatial courses for uh, tour guides, uh, also Zoom. So I study a lot, a lot, and uh, improve my knowledge, and uh, waiting for tourists <laughs> to come to Israel. Waiting for tourists to come to Israel. <laughs> yes. Now, now, how is how is uh, your wife Dina doing with you being around so much? Yes. Well, not you know this is so weird. This is an excellent <laughs> question. First of all, for me, I'm not used to this. I'm not used to this. Yeah. Because Normally, okay, between one tour to another, I have two, three, four days off. In the low season, maybe a week off. Okay, so I enjoy home. Now I'm half a year I'm uh, at home. And the thing is that my wife is the one that every morning she goes out to work, come back in the evening. I'm the one who stays home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, I think that I'm a good husband. I have now time to cook. I cook a lot. Good for you. Yes. I cook a lot. When she comes back from work, she has a dinner ready, waiting for her. Uh, I take care of the house. 
you know, many things that I wanted to do for many, many years and I had no time. Now is the time and now is the, the place uh, to do this. <laughs> and as I told you, I, I ran a lot. I ran yeah. eight kilometers uh, every morning. And uh, in the evening, I'm not going to the gym. But I do some exercises uh, at home. So uh, she has her space and freedom. I have my space and freedom. I try not uh, to annoy her uh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are a good husband then. If you try to do that, that's good. Yes. That's good. I'm glad to hear See, that. This room, this is where I sit and study. Because this okay. is the quietest room. So I close the door. I sit. I study. So I don't disturb the, the life going on uh, the rest of my house. Very good. Yes. Well, listen. I want to. I want to thank you for taking the time today to uh, to talk with us. You've given us a real a real window into uh, what's happening, especially with the tourism industry. And uh, you know, we bring groups of Christians over to Israel, or at least historically, we have done that over the years. And yes. um, you know, I, I want you to know, and I know you do know that that Christians do uh, pray for Israel, support right. Israel. And we will we will ask our you know our Christian viewers and listeners to pray for for you and for the tourism industry in particular. I, I there are other guides that I know as well. Uh, you're my favorite, of course, but but there are others, and uh, we uh, we pray for them, and and we're just uh, we're believing that uh, the situation will change. You know, of we course. we all it's believe forever. We all together believe in the God of Israel, so uh, you know we we want God to uh, to help us in this situation and circumstance, and and we also want to be wise as well. So um, one of the things that that I'll mention, and I'm going to say it on the podcast, so it means that I I actually have to do it. Uh, you and I discussed before we came uh, on live here, maybe four or five webinar type um, type deals where we do some virtual touring of Israel and you'll be our guide and we'll show some some maybe some footage and some photos and and uh, talk about some of the different sites I think that would be a lot of fun to do and so my pleasure to do this yeah yeah pleasure and privilege to do this well listen let's uh, let's set it up I'll I'll get to work on pulling some of that together and hopefully, Excellent. hopefully uh, later in September, maybe early October, we can uh, we can pull something off. That would be fun. I would love to do this. Great, great. <laughs> Jeff, your wish is my command. <laughs> ah, very good, very good. Well, uh, listen, I want I, I do want listeners to know if you want to hear Isaac talk about uh, you know some of the sites in Israel. All of our television shows are available on our YouTube channel and uh, firstcenturyfoundations.com. If you search on, on YouTube, you'll find our channel, and you can see Isaac there, and uh, he is uh, good-looking on TV. I'm going to tell you, man, he and he's so smart, and so uh, you'll enjoy watching some of those episodes. We, I want you to know, Isaac, we've, we've had uh, a couple of uh, our episodes. The one we did at, um, at Banias, at Caesarea Philippi, I think now is approaching 10,000 views on, on YouTube. It's, it's really been popular, and I don't know why, except it has maybe the word hell in the title, I, you know, the gates of hell. Maybe that's what, what uh, 
makes it so popular, but it's way more popular than any of the other episodes. So uh, uh, anyway, if you're, if you're listening and you want to go check that out, uh, Isaac does a great job explaining uh, what happens there at, uh, at Caesarea Philippi. And he does a great job everywhere we go. Um, Samaria is the other one that, that people like, uh, you know, up on the mountain there. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's, it's, yeah. Well, Isaac, listen, thanks for being uh, on here. Talking to you has made me even lonelier now for Israel and, and, uh, wanting to get back. We were hoping we might be able to come in November, um, to do some of our charitable work that we, that we do there, not a tour, but, uh, yeah, I'm starting to lose hope that that's going to happen. If I have to, you know, self-isolate for two weeks when I first get there, uh, it's really not feasible. You know, it's just way too expensive. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're watching with interest to see what happens. And, uh, yes, yes. uh, Yes. I think that by next year, we will sit together and laugh about this time. Let's let's uh, let's do that. Let's sit together and laugh about this time a year from now. That would be amazing to do. Anyway, uh, God bless you, my friend. Thanks for being on the podcast today. All the very best. All right. Thank you. Shalom. Well, thank you for joining us for the podcast today. And I hope you enjoyed my chat with Isaac Karasanti. Isaac is just a phenomenal guy, an amazing tour guide, an encyclopedia of information about Israel and biblical history. And we just love and appreciate him so much. As I mentioned uh, in the podcast, right at the current moment, that is uh, August 2020, we really don't know what tours look like in the future, but depending on When you are listening to this podcast, please continue to check our website, firstcenturyfoundations.com. That's firstcenturyfoundations with an S.com. And then click on tours in the menu bar above, and uh, you'll find out any information on upcoming tours. We would love to have you travel to the Holy Land with us. We also do tours to other biblical sites from time to time. Please uh, note that we are a ministry. We are a charitable organization that is raising funds to help other Christian and Messianic ministries in the land of Israel, over 70 different groups that we are working with there. And so we encourage you to connect with us, to engage with your prayers and your participation in giving. If you are able, please donate at firstcenturyfoundations.com forward slash donate. And we would be so appreciative of your support. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. And remember, as Christians, we stand with Israel.